Well, welcome to this week's episode of the Get to the Contest Small Business Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Ron McMahon from the Small Business Genies. Now, Small Business Genies are a full-service marketing agency who get out there and help small business owners solve all their marketing challenges. Now, today, Ron is going to be telling us what are some of the top five things that small business owners need to be aware of so that they can make the most of their marketing to drive their revenue, increase their margins, and ultimately increase their bottom line. Ron, welcome to the podcast. Nice to be here. And look, if you're happy to share, can you share a little bit about how the the history of Small Business Journeys and how it's come to be where it is today? Sure. Uh, I was uh, working for uh, Qantas uh, as Division of Star Trek Express as their Director of Marketing. And uh, it was during the time Australia Post was taking it over and um, my role was heading to Melbourne. So I took a redundancy and I thought I would start my own business. And so as a marketer of 30 years, I, I thought I'd start in the marketing channel. And uh, having never started a business before, I was very wary of all the things that I would need to do. And and I kept finding problems left, right and centre. How do I, I, I'd engaged web designers, I'd engaged graphic designers, I'd engaged you know, people to help me launch this business and I was having nothing but fits and starts. And I thought, well, if I'm going to offer people advice in this area, I might try this all myself and, and sort of save people the, uh, the the pitfalls that they will face when they go to start up or, or um, create a small business. Okay, so basically from, from the business that you're hoping to create, you realise there's a hole in the market. Absolutely. And then turned that hole into an opportunity where you used your big business experience and then created a product to get out there to solve the, the problems of small business owners. It even gave us our name. This morning. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. So so that was a few years ago now. We're a little bit down the track and, you know, you've helped a lot of our, our clients and a lot of other clients out there in the small business world uh, with their marketing. So you, you've talked to, to me offline about, you know, some of the common mistakes and, and areas where, where business owners really need to get it right. You're happy to run through those. So what, what's your... What are your top five areas for, a, say, a startup business that they need to really nail? Finding an exact top five is hard, but the things that constantly come to the surface all the time are, are, are things like uh, understanding your value proposition, knowing what you offer, and why you offer it, and where the value lies in for those people that will acquire that service in the end. Okay. And being able to articulate that clearly, so not just have this kind of vague, nebulous kind of view of what you do, but a very clear, succinct vision of what you do, how you perform it, where the value is for the client. Um, uh, uh, yeah, so a very, very clear view of what, you, what you're offering. Right. So many business owners, I'd imagine, that you, you find there don't really have that in a nice, succinct statement that they can make, and therefore, they're, they're, if they're not clear themselves, it's very hard to expect their, their target audience, or if they don't have a target audience, it's very hard to target particular clients. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, too often it's a very vague general view of, of what you're doing and, and, and that creates, a, I suppose, an issue for, for buyers at the end of the day. If they can't differentiate what you're offering over anybody else in the market, then they'll be solely driven towards price. But if you can clearly articulate what it is that you're offering, where the value lies, 
then you set yourself apart from your contemporaries, from your competition, and you start to position yourself as, as kind of a leader of the pack or a specialist in the area or, or certainly someone with the most skill or capability in your particular pursuit. Makes a lot of sense. But is this hard to do? Like what, what's the process you would follow? Dealing with a, you know, a, a, I'll go back to a trades person mm-hmm. um, starting out. There, there might be a 1,000 carpenters out there in the in the area, but if, if this was an example, what would be the so, so process? So we call it the value proposition, and that's to understand what's unique about your business, why it's valuable to your customers, and how it's relevant to what they need. So, you know, if we're talking to, um, you know, a tradespeople, it, it could be a particular area of expertise or, or specialty. You know, so carpentry is such a big area, you know, from building homes to fine fit out to flooring to any number of things to decks, pergolas. So you'll tend to, we tend to find that carpenters don't generalise, they tend to work in a specific area. So if, if you're a carpenter with really uh, great fine fit-out skills and so furniture or, or highly detailed stuff, then that's your value proposition. That's what would set you apart from perhaps a generous framer or a decker or someone like that. So you might then... For this type of work, you might prefer to use a carpenter with this level of skill or capability. And for that, you can often command a greater premium for your time, which is... Yeah, and, and, and all this comes back to, again, why would we, why would we bother doing this? You know, if, if, if you have that niche and you, you're charging more and you're winning the work, that, that is, uh, that's a good place to be in rather than compete, competing on commoditization of your work and competing on price because that's all there is to compete on. True. So, so if you're a, you're a carpenter with you know tremendous skill in terms of finishing a product that is just a work of art, and general carpentry might be out there touting itself for let's say seventy bucks an hour, but because of the detail and the and the tools and the, and the labour and the effort and the experience that goes into forming it, you don't want to be lumped in with that hourly rate. You want to be set apart to say, well, if you want this kind of outcome, then you need to pay this kind of price. And and if you can clearly identify and articulate why it is that people do it. I think people have a hesitation in paying more if they get the value or they're able to identify who can do it. And particularly if they're paying for certainty. People people love certainty and if they've got no other way of measuring, well, price becomes a default. But uh, you know, if you know, I think even with our own business and the the fit out of our office, it's a one time thing. We went to probably one of the more expensive uh, providers, yep. but we had the certainty one around the quality. We'd seen examples, uh, and two around the timing. So time was money for us, and Absolutely. and yeah. we could not rely, uh, or we didn't want to have to rely on the cheapest operator who didn't fulfil us with confidence because if we were going to be out of our old office but not ready to go into our new office, that would be calamitous. So that's where understanding the provider we use, they understood our our situation, they were able to give us great certainty and they weren't weren't competing on hourly rate, They, they were providing us certainty and for that we paid a premium. And I'm sure during that process they're able to demonstrate their capability, show you work that they had done, offer you ability to perhaps talk to past customers, which added to that certainty. Exactly, and their niche was exclusively in the fit-out space as opposed to using a a standard builder or other person who probably could have done the same type of work, but we, we just had that confidence that, that this was going to be managed from start to finish. So from a marketer's point, knowing that you were going to pay a little bit over the odds for a little bit of certainty, you were happy to do that? 
every day of the week. And, and, and that's what people, are, I think, have really got to get, have really got to understand about their business is that don't just head out there thinking that, I've just got to meet this price or meet this market. Identify clearly what you do and why people should pay that and what um, kind of level of expertise you're at, and you'll find people. And off the back of that, uh, just on that point, they are probably walking through potential prospects of theirs through our office. They ring us up and ask for permission, of course, and we're happy to help. Like over the last six months, we, we, there's been a dozen people walk through our office at least. And you've, you've got what's called tacit endorsement as well. As your clients come into your building here, they see the fit out. They see how how, how beautiful the office surroundings look. And you are, they ask you, and because you're happy that certainty has been delivered, you've got no hesitation in recommending them. And that's another advantage of being clearly able to articulate your value, demonstrate it, people take, and then they refer you. And I'd imagine uh, later on is one of your points here, I think we're going to talk about uh, perhaps having some case studies as as we are a real life example in mm-hmm. in the one I've just talked about that will only add to your your pitch to when you're, you're trying to win a job. So, okay, so getting clear on your unique value proposition really important. Let's talk about the basics of branding. So, look, branding's an interesting thing. It's you know I I often use the term you know creating a brand or logo. Um, some people will just see a a logo as a brand. It's not necessarily the case. A logo is a logo. A brand is what represents you as a business. So it's uh, you know everything from the logo, and the logo should speak to some way to what you do, but it also should kind of have the essence of what you offer and who you are as an organisation. Um, and so to put your best foot forward with understanding what your value proposition, you attach it to a brand, a, a presence, so that when you go to the market to tell the market how good you are at certain at something, you can attach your brand to it so people can recognise or instantly identify you with that level of service or quality. And too often small businesses, has been our experience, spend such little time on their branding not just their logo, but their branding on who they are. And branding is the language you use, how you communicate, how you communicate your values, how um, how you engage with people around your product or your service. So, so you said branding's not just your, your logo. So a few other things that you've talked about with me uh, yeah. offline, um, you know, cards, email, website, your uniform. So just talk us through Whether we we like it or not, we're judged every day by prospective customers. So it's how we present. You know, we we deal with, we've spoken ourselves before, you know, the the, the tradesman, um, you know, view of someone coming up and, you know, they've you know they've had a day of of hard work and granted, you know, they've earned every dollar they've they've turned up uh, to at a quote that afternoon and with a day's worth of work on them, they write their name on a torn off bit of cardboard and it's some obscure email address at Yahoo or something like. Um, they've no business card. There's no uniquely identifiable mark that they're a business of any note or description. You can't find anything online about them. Perhaps you know uh, maybe a, a yellow pages listing if, if they're still working these days. Um, so. You know, that ability to kind of walk up and have your, your, your logo emblazoned on your T-shirt to hand over a, a business card that identifies you and your business that clearly out, outlays your name. And when you correspond later with a quote, it's got an email footer on it that says, you know, I am Bill from Bill's Tiling and this is my website address and this is how you'll contact me and this is how I'll communicate with you going forward. And all those things speak to professionalism and, and so... We, while we may, as as customers, we may not 
ask specific things. We will assume specific things. So if a if a if a tradesman turns up to your home and he's looking, you know, like he's had a hard day's work, we can't come and pot tradespeople. But you know, it's looking like they've had a hard day's work. You know, you, you're going well. Are you going to leave my place in this kind of mess? So uh, you know. Uh, when you finish tiling this area, will I be picking up the bits and pieces? Will you, you know, will my yard resemble your truck at the end of the day, which looks like it could do with a wash? Or yeah, and and, and this, you know, and uh, don't want to get offside with my my trading mates, but the same <laughs> applies for for any industry, professional services. If your first Absolutely. impression is substandard, Absolutely. or scrappy, or or shabby, or disorganised, mm-hmm. that is going to set the expectation yeah. that perhaps the underlying service will be. Yeah. Um, so, but when we first meeting someone, yeah. if we've got our branding right uh, and then we have our social proof, such as the case studies, the examples and all those things, that just really, in my mind, builds the confidence up in your prospect and makes you more memorable yeah. so that when, you know, if you've gone and got three or four quotes, at least you're probably going to be able to, uh, you're going to be a better chance of winning the job at a better margin. Absolutely. As people refer back to, oh, hang on, guy, he had a folder of all the, you know, 20 jobs. He had, you know, the before and after shots. He, yeah. he, he looked professional. He was on time. He just instilled me with confidence uh, because, again, as, as touched on earlier, a lot of these things are not small jobs and they're, a lot of them are once-in-a-lifetime purchases. Absolutely. Where certainty is far more important than, you know, if you get the cheapest – and you're stuck with the cheapest for the next 30 years, you're not going to remember the 1000 bucks you saved here or there. You're constantly going to be looking at the and be underwhelmed at whatever it is that they've done. So pre- presentation is key. Yep. Yeah, um, we've, you know, we've had, um, you know, we've certainly not targeted, but we've certainly a bit to say with tradies. But, you know, I, I can recall we were working with a, a guy that fixed um, uh, lawnmowers and brush cutters and all that kind of stuff. And, and he was wondering why people just didn't come anymore. You know, they weren't coming to his business. And, and, and so I, I met him at the site and I pointed out, well, you could cut the grass here. You could clean the window. You could remove the parts from reception. You could make the, the reception area an inviting place to be. You could clean the countertop. You could perhaps have a radio or a television or something that if people are waiting for service, you could clear the car park out of parts and your boat and bits and pieces and make it an inviting place for people to come. It's, and, and then suddenly people can see it from the street. Outside. Yeah, like, and, and these are all low-tech things. So, yes, the cost of acquisition, customer acquisition is far greater. Also, too, the value of a referred client is greater than anyone that was starts from scratch has had no prior knowledge to. So if you've done, if you go to point one, if you've been able to identify who you are and what you do and your value to your customer, if you've got a brand by which you can pin that all on, that you can be easily identified and you've done great work and your customer has then recommended you, there's no higher, there's no better Google AdWords, there's no better website, there's no nicer business card, there's no prettier logo that's going to get you a better recommendation than that. And that in itself is kind of a testament to the kind of value that you can ascribe, ascribe to that. So, yeah. And then that person comes out, they've already, they know that they've seen and they trust their friend, not yourself, because everyone will say they can do a great job. They're probably only going to get one or two quotes, not five, and then you're going to highly likely win that job at a good margin. Uh, and it's just the work's coming to you. Beats the hell out of going out and doing 10 quotes and hoping you win one or two of them. 
reputation grows, understanding grows, people talk. People love to tell people about great work they do. They also love to know when they don't. So, you know, if you don't get it right. <laughs> yeah. And so, again, from a branding perspective, really nailing, one, doing a great job, that's, that's I think, yeah. obvious, but nailing your, your social proof and your case studies so that you can easily put it in front of uh, prospects yeah. is is just so important and 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 again low hanging fruit. It's low tech. Anyone with a decent camera uh, and spending a little bit of time. Phones these days take adequate photos to, to yep. just get the. And let's not confuse too. Um, great service is not a value proposition. I have yet to meet a business now that doesn't say they have great service, but that's just a bold claim. And, and you can't get great service until you actually get some work done. So yep. what you've got to hang on is what you're offering first. So, yeah. Yes, there's, there's, <laughs> there's not too many people out there that, that say, well, I, I may call you, phone you back from time to time and 50% of our jobs are completed within a couple of months of our estimated due date. Like it, it's expected, right? That's a baseline. Absolutely. So just one quick one on your branding and your business cards. This I know this is a bugbear of yours. Tell us. Tell us your, your biggest frustration around business cards and, and what people oh, do with look, them. Look, you, know, you know, we talk to people, we design their business cards for them, or email the signatures, and, and we contact them in, you know, a two or three months' time and say, do you want to order some more business cards? And they say, well, I, you know, I've still got a box full. And, and my answer to that is why? why? Why have a device that you are supposed to hand to people and then keep it for some reason for some nostalgic value? The whole point of the business card is to get your contact details in the hand of a prospective customer that can call you or refer you somewhere. Yep. You know, we tell particularly people who visit homes, like, like tradespeople, anyone that has a service, is that, you know, when you're, you've done a great job for somebody and you're leaving the property, there's nothing wrong with getting out of your vehicle and just dropping a business card into the house, three doors down and three doors up and three doors across the road. And that just says that, you know, Marjorie that lived at number five, whatever streets had me in there to do that. So the tacit endorsement of a local neighbour who's trusted me for my service and you've left your details. So if you need a, a tree trimmed or a washing machine fixed or, a you know, some plumbing done, you might call somebody who's already been trusted by one of your neighbours. So it's something that you should be just handing out as quickly as you can uh, get. <laughs> exactly. And, and I, I know one of our arborist clients... Yeah. He does exactly that and clearly, you know, turns up and he's, he's got his big machinery and crane and chipper and whatnot. He, by just doing that and letting people know he's in the area and it doesn't really cost him much more to take the crane up up the road 30 metres, he, on his residential jobs, he, he reckons about 30 to 40% of the time he'll always pick up an additional job and that's just pretty much straight to the bottom line. It's, it's, it's great for him. That's a bit about branding as part of, you know, that's number two. So number three here, you said identify customers or who your customers are and their value to your business. So you want to expand on that? Like uh, uh, is most businesses would say, well, anyone can be my customer. Yeah, sadly, too many people do. And that just means that your attention is so fractured in trying to get win everybody over instead of identifying in your business where that value comes from. So. Uh, I was um, chatting with a, a client that we have who's got a, um, a unique um, uh, spider lift device, the only one here on the Central Coast. And um, and so he, his initial view is, I need to tell everyone on the Central Coast that I have this machine. And I'm saying, well, so let's identify what it is. So come back to point one, you know, what you are, who you do, what value you offer. Um, 
And so it replaces scaffolding. So so now everybody's going to look for scaffolding. That, that's just an unrealistic expectation. So who is going to be looking for it? So it's going to be painters. It's going to be handymen. It's going to be electricians getting something that needs to be high, like the maybe the lighting or the CCTV that might be installed on a gable on a roof. And, it, and it, you don't need to then go and, and hire a scaffolding for periods of days and someone set it up and then knock it down and then you've got it, you know, disrupting your driveway or, or around your home or your business for a number of days. This thing can come in, do it within the hour and be done and gone. And so rather than trying to come up with a marketing plan that just kind of told everybody that this thing existed, it's better to then strategically acquire, so identify where those clients are. And so, and then so on to the second point of your question is, and so their profile or where their value lies in your business. So it may be that a residential client you may get $150 an hour for, but a, a, a um uh, a trade client, so a painter who's going to hire you more often might pay less, but he's going to hire you more frequently and you're going to use that machine more and get <clears throat> a better return. So do you spend all this money here trying to get the one or two customers where the extra $30 an hour may exist or do you concentrate on a known area and identify all the painters on the Central Coast, all the, all the handymen on the Central Coast, which is a far less costly exercise because you can let your fingers do the walking. You can go online and go to yellow pages, white pages, and find all this sort of stuff and email them directly or, or send them to your website to identify who you are or send them a brochure, some information about your product. Yep, and and <clears> sometimes <throat> you actually get the best of both worlds in that the, the more specific you get, they're actually the people that – you make a far better return on because if you're dealing with other or other professionals, they're used to paying. They're, they're, there's less mucking around. You you turn up that everything will be ready to go. Whereas you go to a residential, they they, they want everything. They don't know the process. They don't understand. And so yeah, if you're really clear on your on your target market, then that's going to make it. Uh, and and who who is the most profitable area of your target market? Well, then that's where you, you, you can focus. So, again, if, if a scaffolder was aiming to everyone, yep. he might have to do an ad that might appear, what, might be of interest to, say, me as an accountant. Yep. It's pointless trying to impress Warwick the accountant. Um, <laughs> it is what he needs to do is impress and draw the attention of the painters, the builders, the other people in, in And there'll in be jobs space. too that, that um, you know, um, uh, scaffolding guy aside, but... You know, there'll be jobs if, if in each of our industry we'll have specifics in areas where um, there'll be a better return on what we do. Like a plumber turns up and has got to find a leak somewhere in a property. Yep. Every bit of that alley rate you're earning wandering around trying to work out where this leak is. If you're coming there to fix a tap and you're charging a minimum alley to turn up and it takes you 10 minutes, that's yeah, the money that's, that's, the make, that, that's the job that makes you money. So it's not about so understanding what you do. It's what jobs generate you the best outcome. Can I do, you know, there might only be eight hours in a day that you work, and so if I'm chasing a leak for eight hours, I'm going to get eight hours pay. But if uh, if I charge a minimum hour and I fix 12 taps in a day, then I can potentially make 50% more income simply by chasing the kind of work that makes me the best amount of return. Yeah, and it just reminds me, there's, there's a book called um, Built to Sell, by John Warillo, I okay. think that's how you pronounce it, and he talks about in a it's a it's a, a great book, highly recommend it for the listeners out there. Uh, but he talks in there about uh, mechanic business, and they they did that same process. Where did they make their most money? Was it the highly specialised? You know, look at the gearboxes or this and that, and ultimately 
they made the most money doing grease and oil changes for vehicles. Yeah. Um, and this, I think it was an American business, this story. So they changed their business so that to the point where they only did the basic grease and oil changes and, and everything else got kind of referred out to everyone else. And less stress, <laughs> really predictable. You'd get lower paid, you know, basically the apprentice can do it. Absolutely. And profits would drop up. So, you know, they, they, that was an example of what you're saying. They're really clear where you make the most money. Build your marketing and your business around that. You know, many people say, oh, that you, you couldn't possibly do it. And, and when I was reading the book, I was like, well, how could you do that? Of course, a mechanic. But, you know, there's a real-life case study where they did it. And, and, and so it just takes a determination and, most importantly, an understanding of where, of where you make the most money because yeah. – before they did the analysis, they probably thought, oh, well, the, a, a, a gearbox rebuild, that's $3,000. I'm making good money. Reality is there's probably a hell of a lot of labour and parts in that as opposed to five bucks worth of oil and 10 minutes of time to well, change. Well, that's it. You, from start to finish, you've done a job. With a gearbox, you've got to pull it out, you've got to set it aside, you've got to pull it down, you've got to send part, order parts in, then you, you're coming backwards and forwards from the job. And any time you have to stop and then start something again, you've got to reacquaint yourself with what you're doing. That's just a time burner. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Right. All right. So we've done these steps, Ron. How do we? What, that's great, and 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 plenty of people are okay. We're we're across it. But what do we do now? So how how do we implement? Well, look, uh, I love the old. It's an oldie but a goodie. So you know, uh, fail to plan, plan to fail. So and I had this conversation with small business owners every day. Oh, I'm not going to write a business plan. The, the suggestion is not to write a fully-fledged business plan, but it's to kind of put down the goals, the incremental success that you're looking to do, where you're looking to grow your business, the direction you want to point. It can always be corrected or added or edited or, or, or changed, but to undertake a business without it is kind of like heading off into the ocean without a rudder and going, well, I'll take where the waves, you know, kind of push me. And then wondering why you're not ending why up at a beautiful up? island, you ended up in Antarctica and you're freezing. Absolutely. Why so, didn't I end up in the Bahamas when I'm you know, yeah. <laughs> Yep. So, uh, again, I, I, I agree with you. There's too many people who don't have a plan, but also there's plenty of people who have a 500-page business plan, which frankly is a load of crap. It sits in the drawer. They've done it because it's out of a textbook or because they needed it to get bank funding or whatever, which is fine. They've got the funding and then it's been, you know, then, then basically wasted, whereas... For me, if you've got a, the key things on a one-pager, mm. ideally that one-pager sits in a public place mm. or on your desktop or somewhere where you can constantly refer back to it. It just keeps you focused on... And it has action points and milestones so you can measure what is happening. So, you know, it's great, you know, I'm going to start this business, I want it to do, I want to do this, so my action points are I'll do this, this. There needs to be things for you to do and it. just having this kind of wishy-washy desire document is not a business plan. It's it's so to do this, I need these action points that I need to, you know, make sure I, I you know, I, I clearly articulate my, what I offer to my customers. So when I approach my customer, my customer knows exactly what it is that I do. I've got a brand that I can stand behind. You know, I've, I've, I've got, um, uh, you know, I've identified who my customers are and all the action points are in that. So your business card, branding, logo, website. Uh, we had the conversational time. I don't need a website. People know who I am. Yeah, but we'll also look online too. What you don't know is what you don't know. Yep. And we will all get information. Oh, I heard Bill was great at this. I'll go and check out Bill. Oh, Bill doesn't have a website. Is it, Bill it, really as good as they say? Instantly a lack of 
credibility of today's Absolutely, age. Absolutely, you know, yeah. 30 years ago, even 10 years ago, you really needed to have something. Absolutely. And, and today even there's no a, excuse, a placeholder that says you exist. Absolutely. Digital bona fides are who you are, that you're actually a legitimate business and people can employ your services, yeah. Okay. Uh, and moving on from that plan or the need to have a plan, so accounts are good at accounting, plumbers are good at plumbing, Absolutely. Lawyers are good at lawyering. Absolutely. What What's your thoughts on how 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 should people approach this? Well, I, I look. We deal with people on shoestring budgets. In fact, never a day goes by that people say, you know the, the conversations. Oh, I need some marketing. I need some help. Or I need this, but I don't have a lot of money. And we get that. And so we've been magicians, not genies, I suppose. In many, <laughs> of, like I wouldn't go and rep myself, represent myself in court. You do my taxes because you're going to do them a whole lot better than I'm going to do them. I I employ people to do the things in my business that I can't or that I won't do well. I know I won't do well. Too often we'll sit down with people who say, you know, my niece did my logo for me. And you think, oh, really? Why don't you just give her a nice gift card? Yeah. <laughs> Get it done. Or, um, you know, I, I spent four weeks building this website and no one can find it on Google. And I said, well, you know, could that four weeks have been better spent doing something else? Like identifying who your customers are, reaching out to those customers, developing a nice little email that introduced your business, making some phone calls and then leave. And then what business that generated would, I don't doubt, would more than adequately cover the cost of building the, the three weeks that you've just spent building a website, yeah. uh, and which we would probably do on a third of the time. So, you know, it's, it's, it's I don't intend you know, painting or painting or, you know, carpet yeah. laying or any of those other services because, um what I want is a quality job at the end of the day. I'm, I'm, you know, I, and so businesses should, uh, I think, take that approach. If they want them to take their business seriously, then they need to take their business seriously also. Yep, that makes a lot of sense. So now, obviously, uh, small business genies, uh, easily Googleable, I'm assuming, yeah, yeah. if people need help. But, look, it, again, today, today is not necessarily about an, an ad for you, but helping the small business owners out there. So if people are thinking about, engaging someone what what is say a couple of criteria that if you're a customer that they're out there someone's saying they can look after their marketing what what are some baseline things that you would insist as a as a purchaser that the the marketing person can provide oh okay so what a good thing to do is kind of identify who they've done business with in the past so anyone who's um who's i suppose done good work in our industry has generally um uh, it would list maybe their clients on their website and give you an opportunity to go and see the past work that they've done, give you the opportunity if you want to reach out and contact them, give them some references to people that they've worked with um, to get an understanding. To me, it's it's also being prepared, someone, as I know you do, asking the other questions. Oh, I come to you and say, I need a website. Well, the question is why? Or, or I need I need a business card or I need this or I need that. Well, then, then it's always asking the question, well, why, why, why? Because the, the, the problem isn't going to be solved by just delivering a business card and then ending the, the conversation. Absolutely. And, that, and that's part of our value proposition because it, quite more often than not we're approached by small businesses, hey, I need a website. And so we don't approach it from the approach a website project from the position of a web builder. We're a marketing company, so we'll approach it from the vision of what story do you want to tell and who do you want to tell it to? So what language do we need to use? Um, how do we need to position it? What are the imagery that, that, that support this and make this look good? Having a website just for the sake of a website is not the answer. 
But, um, yeah, so it's about, I suppose, a consultative approach and getting to understand where that business is at, how ready they are for that step. Some people will just say, well, this is all I want. And so we'll do our best to help them in that one particular niche um, that, they, that they're looking for. But more often than not, when we sit down and we talk to people um, and we'll say, okay, so so what's driving your desire to have a website? Um, okay, so and do you have a, any branding or logo that you want to attach to that? They uh, haven't thought that through or they, they've got a few business cards or they've knocked one up themselves. Or And so we talk to them about how they might be perceived in their marketplace by potential customers. And, and in a very short amount of time, they go, yeah, that would be good to have that. That would be good to look like this. It would be good to have. Okay, so if we could just grab something from that you've just said there. Approaching it from the marketing, with a marketing hat on, as opposed to the, oh, well, a printer can print your cards or a website person or a logo designer can do this. So starting with the big picture uh, is someone that basically can apply the marketing principles is, is what we should be looking at rather than just here's what you should do. So, and, and if, if I, uh, I would imagine it could be similar, correct me if I'm wrong in my interpretation, um, someone going to a doctor and just going, oh, you need to give me some antibiotics or you know, I've got a, you, need, you need to operate on my leg. It's like, well, actually, no, let's step back and work out what, what the cause of your symptoms are rather than just prescribing anything without understanding. Could I offer you a, an alternative? So, so let's say you're building a house and um, and you go, oh, I'll need a carpenter, I'll need a bricklayer, I'll need a tiler, I'll need a carpet layer, I'll need a, a you know a renderer, I'll, I'll need a paver to do the driveway. But we haven't talked to the architect about this vision that you have How's it transformed? How will it look like? How will I guide the the the, the bricklayer, the carpenter, the and so I suppose the analogy is that you, as a marketer, as a, as a marketing professional, you you try and step back from the immediate thing and go and like, say, how does this impact or how does this add value to the overall business? And so from a, a website, we don't just go, well, let's just get a few pages up there to say that I'm a business. Saying, oh, okay, so what should those pages say? Where is the call to action? What do I need to tell people? What are my contemporaries doing? Um, you know, where's my value proposition? How to- <laughs> yep. Yeah, great. Okay. Well, 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 thanks, Ron. So I think there's plenty for the, the small business owners to take away from, from what you've been happy to share there. And if people do want to find you, of course, they can just reach out at, uh, under Small Business Genies in Google and they will find find you. But before we go, um, this is the Get to the Contest Small Business Podcast. Yeah. So, you know, Get to the Contest uh, for me is about doing what is the most important, having focus on, on, on the critical things. So what, what's the most important thing you do in your business uh, which you have to nail and everything flows from that? Well, we need to be good at what we're doing. So we need to be at the cutting edge. We need to understand where technology is taking people, where, where the value lies in it for them. Um, um, so for us, it's, um, yeah, about um, our value proposition and, and what we bring to, what value we bring to clients. Um, as a marketing professional, as a, as a marketing organisation. So being clear every single day about your uh, your unique proposition, yep. your unique value proposition, with that clarity, that impacts everything you do, every phone call you make, every interaction you have with your, Absolutely. your target Absolutely. client and prospects. Okay, love it. Now, a bit more about yourself. What advice would you give yourself from 20 years ago? Don't sell property, keep it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I look yep. back on realestate.com.au, I think, man, if I had that property today. <laughs> <laughs> and 
a book or movie that's changed your life? Doesn't have to be business related. I'm gonna, well, this this is the um, it is business related because uh, and I really is it if you if you re, uh, your listeners get a chance. His name is Simon Sinek. Uh, interesting last name, and it's the he's uh, codified a thing called the Golden Circle. And start with why, and it's um and it's a look at um you know how you look inwardly at your business and and how you understand what it is that you do and. Uh, and, and that has led to very much the clarity that we have as a business. So, yeah, very, very insightful man. And just to finish up, I'm going to put you on the spot. The last thing you've learned. Oh, uh, my daughter knows everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're slow on the uptake there. <laughs> it's taken a while to get through. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, well, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today, Ron. Uh, I got a lot out of it, and I'm sure our listeners did too. So there you have it. That was my chat with Ron McMahon from the Small Business Journeys. So a couple of my takeaways from the chat with Ron. Number one, and this was Ron's get to the contest point for for himself, and that was knowing your value proposition. So with your unique value proposition, that's, you know, what's unique about your business? What or why is it valuable to your customers? And how is it relevant to what they need? If you can nail that, you'll meet less price resistance. You'll make sure you don't fall into the trap of being a commodity. And you'll stand out from inferior competitors. You won't be just competing on price. So, you know, nail that and your life will be so much easier in small business. Uh, Number two, uh, Ron talked about knowing your customer and being an expert in a particular niche. Also being an expert in what type of customer makes you money. It's one thing to win the jobs, but let's win the jobs that are actually going to be profitable for your small business. Three, Ron spoke about very simply getting a plan, ideally the physical act of getting onto paper. There's something psychological about that. Just get it onto paper, you know. Having a plan is something you can always fall back to under pressure. You can tweak it, you can change it, you can edit it, but if you've documented it and it's in your systems and processes, it becomes part of your DNA and you can always take action. Uh, I know out on the football field and in sports, sometimes a pressurised environment, it's always good to be able to fall back to something. Uh, And that's why having a plan, documenting it, at least it's going to prompt the right type of action, which is what we want. Number four, this is something that none of us do as often as we should. Put yourself in your client's shoes. You know, what's the client experience? Often we're we're too close to our business to really appreciate uh, what what the client experience is. Are we easy to deal with? Are we easy to shop with? Is, is, Is the next step obvious? Are we leaving money on the table because we haven't asked for the sale? Like We want to make it so easy for our clients and such a pleasurable experience that it's just a natural thing for them to go ahead and purchase. So with that, that can be, you know, and it might be literally walking out of your office off, or your shop or your place of business and evaluating what's it like to walk in, maybe get an outsider or some of your trust to come in with you and just analyse that from a fresh perspective. Also, do the same with your online presence. So... Google yourself, Google your business, and just see, is the message that you're putting out there to the public the actual message that you want, or have you got content up there that that isn't really describing the experience that you want your clients to to see when it comes to dealing with your business? So, and last one, and this one I think is really important, it's about low-hanging fruit, and it doesn't have to be high-tech. You know, I think uh, today's world, well, we all want the latest solution, the, 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 the quick wins, 
via using tech and all the rest, and I'm all for using tech, but a lot of these things about marketing, they don't have to be that complicated. It's just getting some fundamentals. So things like presentation, responsiveness. Uh, Ron talked about, you know, if you're out in the field, dropping off some flyers or cards in the neighbourhood, you know, three doors up and three doors down. Really simple things. Um, Putting together a case study that you carry that's professional that will actually show people and provide them social proof of what you've done. So, you know, anyone can say they're going to be great, but if you can demonstrate that you've solved people's problems in the past, that's that's going to carry some weight. So all of these things um, that I've just touched on, they're quick wins, as as Ron said, low-hanging fruit. And if you get those done, there's absolutely no tech requirements or, or anything like that. It's just really simple you can do it all it's just a decision you need to make around implementing that and you know if you listen to this podcast you can have that implemented by the time you go home from work today it's that simple Uh, it's just a decision to make so there you have it they're my learnings uh, from the chat with Ron hope you got something out of it and I look forward to you joining us on the next episode of the get to the contest small business podcast podcast